final Watford season. It's from the Rookery End, our final podcast of the year. We're counting out our top ten at the end of what was a great season under this man. The game is over and we're now in the pub, uh, as always, from the record end. Uh, the game is over, the season's over, John. Happy end of season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it might have changed my first question to you in a minute, Mike. Uh, we, we, we are live from what fans seem to get holders in the record end and at the end of our sixth season, uh, these podcasts are still our take on life as a Watford fan. And originally, Mike, I was, gonna, I was scared about asking this question after the recent run of games. How are you feeling? 13th in the Premier League. We would have taken it at the start of the season, so it'd be churlish to be other anything other than happy, I would suggest. Were you feeling that way, let's say, on midweek after Norwich? No, I was incredibly grumpy after the Norwich game, and it just felt like the season was ending in a um, with too many negative overtones um, and too many little bits sort of edging their way into what should have been... Well, I, thought, I said after the game it should have been a celebration. It didn't feel like it was going to be able to be that. Actually, it did feel a bit more like a celebration today. I was pleased... There wasn't really empty seats. It was a it was a sellout, and I think most people came to say thank you for a, to Kike for a job well done. Thank you to Gino for a job well done. As that enormous banner and uh, excellent foil display along the uh, Elton John uh, stand said, so well done to the 1881. They've excelled themselves again, um, and it just added to what was I thought a fitting final day. And yeah, I'm I'm okay now. Obviously, hard work starts again, presumably tomorrow for Scott Duxbury and Gino. Uh, yeah, we'll find out what, uh, what the summer's going to be like. Um, uh, in the podcast, we are going to uh, cut down our top 10 of the season. Uh, we'll also, we've got a, an interview with an Italian journalist, uh, Ciro Scolomilio from the Gazette della Sport, about a possible, but more than likely, if you look at the betting, uh, future Watford manager. And as Kike's leaving, uh, Little Florence has written another letter uh, to Kike to say, uh, well, to, to, to round off his time as what for manager. Geordie, we, you know, at those, at those games, uh, last time we met was just after the uh, Aston Villa game. Um, we've had some games that weren't amazing. They were far less than amazing. What can you, can you, can you say anything from those games? Uh, yeah, I think you can take, um, the next manager can take some recordings of the uh, four goals against Norwich and the two goals today and, and, and show the defenders, whoever they are, we've got next season, this ain't what I want. <laughs> um, it was Keystone Cops against Norwich, so it was just really, um, people slipping over, I mean, today, people slipping over, I thought, you know, I thought they put something on the pitch to stop any pitch invaders getting any very far because <laughs> it was ridiculous the way people were falling over today. Um, the last couple of games... Yes, I mean, there was still, you can see there was some some effort from some players. Uh, it's hard to know who's going to stay around. There was no kind of obvious goodbyes. I mean, Harada did kind of do like a 360 waving everyone, which I thought was maybe him saying goodbye. But Is that how they do it in Spain? Uh, 360 waves? Yeah, how do what? <laughs> Say goodbye. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and two kisses generally, but that would have <laughs> taken too long. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Liverpool game, I think we were, we were unlucky, and uh, the Norwich game, we were we were 
awful in. I mean, you can't let four goals in against anybody in the Premier League. Well, I think Norwich lost 5-4 one game, so <laughs> their opponents did. But, uh, you know, you can't do that on a regular basis. And today it was just two sloppy goals again, you know. Uh, mistakes, bad, hit on a counter-attack. And if you let goals in and we don't score many, I think the frustration is, is that we built our team on being defensive. That's what got us safe. And then we haven't adapted uh, because we want to, I mean, Kike's saying, I want to put my best team out. And that's what I believe my best team is. And that's his prerogative. But we're not, <laughs> we haven't managed to have that defensive solidity we've, that we had. And, and, and we sacrifice our attacking prowess for it. So that's kind of frustrating. I think for me, the adrenaline wore off a long time ago. The season's kind of been petering out. Even, like I was saying to you, you know, the semi-final didn't bother me that much. Uh, the Villa game, I didn't get too excited because I was just so annoyed about how badly we played, even though we won it. You know, normally a last-minute win after being 2-1 down is exhilaration. It, it's just lack, a lack of real highs and lows for me for the last few games. And hopefully that means that the summer's going to be a new guy coming in, lots of changes, lots of excitement, and then we go again next season. And you know, we'll have the adrenaline because we non-relegation is still going to be, uh, for fans at least, the number one priority. So Jason, you are going to be the new manager of Watford, we've decided, <laughs> we voted. <laughs> Imagine you are. Um, what's the one thing you, you take forward? You know, the only thing I think we really took we, from last year when we came up, we brought certain key players forward with us and, and continue their, their roles. But is there anything in terms of what the team can do that you'd bring forward? That's a good question, John. Um, I, I I tell you what my instant thought was were the signings that we made in January that we haven't yet played, and I'm thinking Penyaranda and Dakure. No, no, I want you to bring something forward like we've seen on the pitch. Oh, Anything yeah. particular on the pitch that you're thinking? No, I'm going to bring that forward. Like that that I cannot lose. Aurelio Gomez. That's that's bringing forward from last year. Yep, yep, and the new central pairing today of Prudel and Britters, provided Prudel brings his proper boots, <laughs> um, and possibly Watson and Suarez. I, I, and the reason, the reason I is Penyaranda. I think is the key man for us, and we talked a little bit. We sort of mentioned him, didn't we, hmm. during the game today, and the way he plays. I don't think we'll play any of the formations that we played this season. Um, if it is the man that we believe it to be, I'm not sure what formation we will end up playing. It could well, be. We'll find out when we uh, we'll check find the out, yeah, But you wonder if maybe we'll we'll be more stereotypical top European division four two three one or something along that along those lines. Penyaranda would fit perfectly into that. And I wonder if uh, a Watson-Suarez combination would work well as, as a two-man midfield in that. Um, I think, I think so we need to get something back as well. And Geordie, Geordie mentioned it. And it's just, just that defensive stability. We cannot, we cannot go start a Premier League season without regaining that core um, strength, that core toughness, that core... So we were unreachable to start with. And that's obviously what, what Kike was brought in to do. And that when that disappeared the whole game was really really up and that's when it I think a lot of uh, Watford supporters tipped over into finding it very very hard to support uh, Kike and finding it fi slightly frustrating watching Watford because it's fine if you're defensive you're always going to be in a game no matter if you know even away at Man City and we'd have nicked one 
when something could have happened. It, you just, do you know what I mean? In the most defensive performances, if you're still in the game, then you're always in with a chance, no matter how ugly the performance. And that dissipated, didn't it? We got easier and easier to, to, to break down, easier and easier to score against. But isn't it quite a thing that Jason found it quite hard to find what you would take forward? The one thing I'll tell you to take forward is a sense of belonging. I think um, those of us that remember the 80s, we kind of felt we belonged until it got the team got disrupted by Bassett and then we had a period of, well... <laughs> skip that but the uh, <laughs> but even put it in a skip yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a skip um you know in the, it was 99 2000 and then even when we come up with boothroyd it was very much kind of players who had been two divisions below not long ago players were brought in on freeze trying to hopefully find say you know, damien francis or steve cabbers or you know cavallis or whatever um and you know with a three-sided ground or a stand that didn't really look like it belonged in the premier league and this year i don't think at any point we have gone into a game thinking we're going to get hiding there, we don't belong here. And I think if, if I can take anything forward, it would be that sense of, of we belong here, this is our place. And what I'd like to take as well on that note is that, and it has been difficult, like Geordie alluded to it, in terms of like the enthusiasm and adrenaline, but I think we need to work, take, take serious stock over summer before we start looking about the new manager, before we start thinking about who's coming in, about what they actually have achieved. Um, how, many, how many sides go up and, and achieve safety as comfortably as Watford did? OK, we didn't go on to, to, to perform perhaps the miracle of a top, top, top half finish. But we've done something very, very good and something very impressive. Um, and we should revel in that. We really should celebrate that. And because we are, you know, we rail against being called Little Old Watford. But for all intents and purposes, we are a, we're a small club uh, in, a, in a small town um, and who've bloodied noses this year. And... I'd urge everyone to be excited by that and to, to maintain a sort of um, desire to want to be at the games and to want to make a noise and to want to be to be part of it. Um, and yeah, just so just make sure we hold on to that little that little burning sort of kernel of excitement and joy that bringing that watching Watford and seeing Watford win against exalted company is because it's so important. Because once you lose that. It's very different, difficult for the club to sort of carry on going forward. It's very difficult for the match day experience to go on forward. The 1881, what they do, it's hard for them to go. But, and quite frankly, you won't enjoy it as much. If you sit on your hands um, and just wait for the next amazing performance, that's not really how it works. So we've done amazingly well. Enjoy it. Be proud of your club. Be proud of your town. Be proud of your fellow supporters. But use the summer to reignite your passion. And... Remember those first days when of the Premier League? It was so exciting, and we should be sitting here, sort of like absolutely buzzing. And not, I'm not saying this should be a open-top bus parade, but 13th in the Premier League for a side who finished second in the Championship—a small, you know—it's great, and we must do all we can to keep that sort of enthusiasm and that fire burning. Well, let's let's let's, let's make the rest of the podcast celebration then. Let's let's count down the top ten of Watford season 2015-2016. A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Ten. It's Capoo's triple nutmeg away at Spurs. Uh, he was our highest signing of all time ever. Um, what, what did what did you know Capoo bring to this this Watford team that we needed after promotion, Jason? He had Premier League experience, which was key, I think, bringing it in. And what, what we found over the season is that he was uh, pretty much the man driving us forward between sort of midfield to attack because we, we didn't really have another central midfield player like him of his standards. You maybe say Abdi or Gediora, but, but they 
are not in the class of Kapoor. And this entry into the top 10 is about his triple nutmeg at Spurs. And you don't do that unless you're a man full of confidence in your ability. And that's what he had. And I think that was what was key to our good performances was a, a confident Premier League player with high ability. Our early Premier League performances, I think it's important to add a, a caveat with, with Kapu because I do think he did sort of shrink a little bit into, into as, as the season went on and I don't know if that was he was being asked to do more but go on Jase. Or, or being asked to play out of position because when he was played wide on left or right he looked yeah he didn't look the same player. I think we need a big pre-season from a big summer from Etienne Kapu and I want him to remember that impact that he had. He had telescopic legs for the first <laughs> quarter of the season. He was he was an absolute demon and he was exactly everything that Jason described, a Premier League player. Uh, and I want to see more of that for the whole season from Etienne Kapu. Nine! Ben Watson scoring a, from a corner against Manchester City. The Watson whip, Geordie. What a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, and it's. Uh, I guess what makes it beautiful is the unexpected nature of it. If you were, if you thought of the players we were bringing in and the players we had, you'd expect that kind of gimmick, <laughs> for want of a better word, to come from a from a more continental player. And you know, when we did we did struggle at the first half of the season to um, beat the first man from all set pieces. And as a prem- as a promoted team, you really got to make everything count. You know, it's fine margins and set pieces. It's essentially uh, a very good equaliser. You know. You can, you, a, a lower league team can get set piece against the champions because uh, they've got a plan. But what? But what else did I know? We, we picked the, the whip um, that he, you know, a couple of assists even on it. Uh, apart from the goal, what else did Ben bring to, the, you know, continue to bring to his Watford team? Do you think? Uh, again, I think it goes back to the element of experience. Um, and like Kapu, I think it's a composure. And, we, and what I was saying before about belonging there, we we don't. Our, our game was very much. I mean, today we had arguably ten central players outfield. Both fullbacks were potentially could be centre backs. Both wide midfielders could be central midfielders, and obviously the two forwards. So Kike likes his central players, uh, so that was good for Ben. I, th- I think I think Ben brought experience. I think he brought composure, a buzz of you know Watson for England kind of. And it was it was, it was maybe not serious completely serious but it was a, it was a recognition that he was actually standing out and he is one of those players that when players are coming in for undisclosed fees you don't expect Ben Watson to be the kind of the glamour kid well, you, I expected him with what happened in the in the summer to not actually feature anywhere near as much as he featured yeah, he didn't did he until um, uh, Barami had his aberration against Swansea and then he came in and, and obviously proved himself that he could do do the job that was needed of him, and as we've mixed up the midfield, he's been arguably a constant. You know, Capu's come in, been pushed out to the wing. Gerardo's well, he's been stuck on the left hand side the whole time, uh, more left wing than Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, and then uh, you know we've had like Suarez has come in, but he hasn't displaced uh, Ben Watson. So I mean, arguably Ben Watson's keeping a Spanish international out of the team. Eight. Guardiola's goal, zinging goal against Arsenal, Mike. Just one of those moments that you won't remember just for this season, but for the rest of your Watford supporting life. It was just uh, someone, I think I think it was Dave, wasn't it? Dave Levy, who tweeted and said there was a split second of silence as everyone sort of tried to compute exactly what they saw. And then there was just obviously absolute pandemonium, limbs everywhere, um, and the real sort of hope that we were going to qualify for an FA Cup semi-final against, against all odds. It was just one of those perfect footballing moments where um, I think I've said it before like on, on uh, when you play golf on uh, was it Tiger Woods on the uh, on the Xbox and you hit it perfectly and it goes <laughs> when everything goes slow motion it's just you've hit the sweet spot and it's just one of those 
perfect moments where everything, the stars aligned, um, and yeah, absolutely, it was just Barbie. If you were there, you, you, you've probably still got the bruises. Um, if you weren't, you've no doubt still got it on your Sky Plus, but what a moment. Uh, but, the, but that FA Cup run, we know how it finished, it wasn't great, um, but it was a, a great thing of this season, even though it wasn't necessarily part from that game, convincing. The semi-final itself was an absolute disgrace. I was so upset with my own performance I was really really drunk and missed most of it but no it was, I think I was really poor but I think we shouldn't take away from what we achieved in the earlier rounds we had to obviously the Arsenal game was was the pinnacle of that cup run but we went away to, to Nottingham Forest and had to had to sort of nick a win there and played Leeds at home we beat we beat Newcastle they, they nicked the win for us well, Leeds for, and, and we beat Newcastle for the third time um, I mean obviously looking back beating a championship side three times in a season isn't any great thing <laughs> But we and there were some there were some little little nuggets of, of hope along the on the, along the way. Amrabat made his I think it was his debut was it against against Forest away and, and looked good and showed some glimpses and they're not difficult they're they're not easy places to, to go and get wins and it was I think something that we should be proud of. Anything that culminates in a day out of Wembley an FA Cup semi final they don't come around too often sadly for us um, and even sadly for us when they do come around <laughs> we, we lose. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it's something that we can be proud of. That Kike can be proud of. He can rightly go on his CV. What we can dispel is the illusion that people's eyes were on the FA Cup semi-final, and that's why performances were suffering. I don't think that was the case. Or I think performances were suffering for for other reasons because the performances were exactly the same afterwards. But let's not take anything away from it. It was. We, we, we beat some tough teams to get there. We showed good solidity. We used that we did. He, that's when he did rotate, and there was, were some good performances along the way. So yeah, and we'll always have the Guardiola goal. Magnificent. Seven. Stoke away with the first goals of the season for Troy Deeney and Alman Abdi, who had a great game today, by the way. Mike, um, there were those two goals, um, and also that game was almost like it felt like at least the first run out for uh, for Britos. Yeah, which was a real surprise to most people. We were like, oh, crikey, what's he going to? What's he doing in the side? Why is he mixing it up? Uh, Cathcart and Perdle had looked really good up until that point. Britos's contribution until then had been getting sent off away at Preston, which uh, was met with sort of half uh, sort of hilarity, half hostility. But yeah, obviously he came in and, and, and put in an absolute superb shift, as did the entire side that day. And we talked about um, Watford feeling like they belong. What a performance that was, because... We started off, for the first 20 minutes, it felt like we were very much a championship side. It felt like we were chasing the game a little bit. It just felt like Stoke were bossing it, keeping us at arm's length. But what happened? Gradually, 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 the game plan worked. We came into the game. Troy got his goal. um, And then Alman Abdi scored an absolute stonker, which uh, I think is probably my goal of the season, even though the Guardiola one was good. But it's just the the clean hit from Abdi and how important it was for for our season. We were really, really well and truly up and running with with that win. And that's a, a tough place to go a really tough place to go and that's when Kike was at his best that was when it shone through and when it really worked that's to me that that was the game you know I know that the, the Swansea game was the first win but actually that was the we're in we're in this that's when we announced ourselves to the Premier League that's when we really announced ourselves and it was uh, that was really really important because um, if you go through season games the seasons hinge on moments say so if we'd have if we'd have gone on and lost that game 3-0 which it looked like we might have done earlier um, who knows what would have happened but you know they, 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 they worked it out they worked hard stuck in the game uh, and in the end won it comfortably could have been could have been more than two that game six now this is quite surprising Troy Deeney's highest position on our chart is number six with his goals against Aston Villa particularly the two he scored in four minutes 
No, we're not going to say anything groundbreaking, Mike, by saying Troy Deeney works hard for Watford, are we? No, but I think we do need to make sure that we say he has stood out all season long um, as an absolute beacon of, of hard work, endeavour, effort um, and pride in the badge. Um, it may sound like we're blowing smoke up his backside, but, but we're absolutely, he's absolutely entitled to have that smoke blown up there. <laughs> um, he has just been, without fail, has just been incredible for Watford all season. Um, and yeah, it sounds like I'm gushing, but um, I think he's just such an important player for Watford. The intensity has, hasn't dropped off for a, for a single minute from him. He's worked and off the pitch as well. He's continued. Whenever any other opposition supporters tweet me, they always talk about Troy Deeney. When other opposition people who have had, had contact with Watford in the community as well, so maybe in the media or, or through work or anything, they say, well, Watford are amazing. And, and invariably, Troy's been involved as well. Um, so he's huge, huge for Watford. Um, he's enjoying his football, which I think you can, which I think you can tell. And it's just been an, it, just a monumental season for him that involves Herculean effort in virtually in virtually every single game. He's not perfect. Um, he's not a fifty million pound player, but by God, he's so important to this football club. And I don't think we'd be sit here talking about us being thirteenth if it wasn't for Troy Deeney. We might be talking about being thirteenth, but in League One. The motivations we've talked about that already, Geordie. Um, Troy definitely had a motivation to talk against Villa uh, because of his, uh, his childhood uh, supporting. Um, but do you know the only club, we beat Villa twice, do you know the only club who didn't beat Villa home or away this season? Uh, no. Can I, do I have a guess? <laughs> who didn't beat Villa home or away? Someone at the top? I'm not going to give you a, 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 a Here we go. No, 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 no. Port didn't. We're going to play that game. Bournemouth. No, Bournemouth, they beat them in the, and they were tight. It wasn't, wasn't Leicester, was it? No. Oh, it was Newcastle United. Oh. The only team that didn't beat them either home or away. Um, but that must be that must be the most satisfying thing in the world for a, a player to, to, to score those goals against that team and then see them relegated. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can take credit for getting Villa relegated other than perhaps people within Aston Villa, the organisation, because uh, it wasn't a near, a near run thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess the nearest thing for us would be playing against a team from up the road uh, and, and sending them down and scoring a couple of goals on there. Uh, was it a plastic pitch or is it, is it a Formula <laughs> One track? I can't remember. I tried to to keep up where it is. Caravan Park, one of them. Uh, but uh, I, think, I don't think Troy lacks motivation in any game. Uh, and I think you know there are certain times in the games where you see he almost um, when there is a lull he almost has a word of himself, and then you see him st- start chasing someone down unnecessarily just to kind of get himself going, and that feeds off on, on, onto other players and he gets angry when people don't cross it or don't cross it properly or don't pass to him. So you can see he's always motivated, but obviously at Villa Park as well. I mean, once when we played him at home, yes, it would have been embarrassing to lose. He'd have got some stick for that, but they were down. But at their place, uh, the uh, what will go down is the Arlowskis game. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he um, a bit like the, the Matthews final, wasn't it? Mortensen scored a hat trick, <laughs> and Matthews gets the credit. It's like Olaskis gets the credit for the, the mem- memories of that game. But it was Troy, it was Troy's derby. Uh, Jason, is he? it uh, might be a stupid question. Is he the one player? If you said we, we we've got to change the entire Watford squad, but you've got to keep one. It's Troy, yeah. He should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Who would it be, Jason? <laughs> Uh, it might be, it might be, might be Gomez. I'm going back to Gomez again, but uh, but no, Dini, Dini, obviously, is very, very important to us. Saying about uh, about the home game, Geordie, and sort of oh, it, they're down, didn't really matter, blah 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 blah. 
you listen to um, players and, and we've asked some questions about whether they hear the crowd or not and they say oh no we're focusing we're focusing absolute rubbish <laughs> absolute rubbish I think we can give those two late goals we can give a bit of credit to the Villa fans because they were giving him loads of stick throughout that game uh, that home game and he answered them back quite <laughs> quite comprehensively um, with those two goals at the end there and I'm sure he loved that as much if not more than anything else this season was our home victory against West Ham, which for me was the first total team performance where we were heads and tails against an established and at that point still doing very well Premier League side, Mike. Well, they did, they, did, they did very well for the rest of the season and I think that as the season went on we realised what, what an exceptional game that was um, and it just felt like, we've, we've mentioned already before about us feeling like we arrived and feeling like we belong, this was more than that. This was us really exerting our authority right from the get-go. Um, and it was just everyone did their part. Everyone played well. We looked dangerous for, for the entire 90 minutes. Um, there was obviously the sending off, which was a complete and utter uh, reaction to being made look a fool for the entire game. Um, Watford bossed it from start to finish. Um, and if they still did that, I was looking in old programmes the other day. And did you know, like back in the 80s, you could buy a game. You could buy a match recording of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mike Vince. Was it Mike Vince used to do the yeah. uh, commentaries? But, but get this right, so they're on VHS, they were about 20 quid. <laughs> 20 quid, and this was like back in the 80s. It Would you pay 20 quid for a VHS of that game, Mike? Well, this is my point, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'd, yeah. And, and it was great, and um, the, I think the crowd were noisy, the crowd recognised what a, what a key moment it was, and what a... Uh, what a, what a yeah, just a, it was a, it was a majestic show from Watford, and and it's not something you, you're used to seeing. Everything just clicked into place. Everyone played well. West Ham were ended up on their on their backsides, um, and they were they were they were dealt a, a footballing lesson from Watford, and it was an an absolute undeniable highlight of the season. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Four. Watford three, Liverpool nil. Is it at number four, Jason? That was the scalp, wasn't it? That was a scalp. I, uh, you asked me in uh, the pre-season friendly at Wimbledon. Uh, we have it recorded, of course, uh, who the big scout was going to be. And I did say it would be Liverpool at home. I also questioned as to whether Brendan Rodgers would still be there or not. He wasn't by then. Um, but that's an important point to make because it was against the, the mastermind that is Jurgen Klopp. And now let's see where, how far he's got, what he's got, his Liverpool side to the Europa League final. So he is a, a master tactician in the world of football. And we absolutely destroyed them that day. It was amazing. Like It was the moment of going, oh my God, we've just won football, almost. It felt, it felt like catharsis for a lot of Watford supporters, I think, who Liverpool, bizarrely, have been a nemesis to a degree, haven't they? Not, I mean, it were, I think it's doing them a disservice to say that they're, uh, uh, they're, they're sort of, uh, you know what I mean, they're our rivals. But it felt like we owed them one in, in a lot of respects. And I think there were a lot of people who were around, certainly for the, for, the, for the GT era, certainly the 80s, who were like, at long last, we've stuck one in the eye of those cocky swines from all the way up, up, up on Merseyside. We, we owed Liverpool one and it felt a bit like, um, yeah, that was a long time coming. And I think a lot of people... Uh, of a certain age, left Vicarage Road extraordinarily happy that day. And there was a, just a, a little frisson in the air of people just like, yeah, that taste, that tasted good. That was good. I enjoyed that. We won it early as well, didn't we? Because we had, we had the early goals and we'd, we'd sort of almost 
not put it to bed, but we'd sort of bloodied their noses with two goals that were that were done and dusted early on by what first twenty minutes, I think. Um, and they even let Igalo score with his head, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't happen often. Three. Radio Gomez and his double penalty save away at West Bromwich Albion, Geordie. I know we're, we're picking on that one, that one game where he really won us that game, but he has been continually, even after last year, still one of our top, top players. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great player. I mean, you remember in the pre-season when we weren't recording, you asked me if Gomez saves two penalties in a game, who's it likely to be against? <laughs> And I said it'll probably be at the Hawthorns. With I didn't record that one, but I remember it. Yeah, yeah, okay, Berino. and um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah. I mean, he's been awesome. And, and we talk about fine margins and Keystone cops defending in the last couple of games. But for the first part of the season, we didn't know we were going to be safe, and that's probably what made it exciting. You know, once we almost got safe, there was nothing further to go for. But for that period of the season, in fact, all through the season, he's he's been immense, and he is. I mean. Behind Burkhouse, he's probably he's probably definitely a, a very very strong candidate for Player of the Year. Uh, that's my question: strongest uh, behind Burkhouse, certainly. <laughs> I, I, I think he's the only one who hasn't had a dip. I mean, Troy hasn't had a dip as such. He got he got I feel Igalo and Dini seem to be getting a stick for for not scoring goals. And for me, it's a bit like complaining at the end of your hose pipe that no water's coming out when it's come off the tap. You know, it's, yeah. it's, that's not where the problem is. You know, that's where the problem's showing itself, but that's not where the problem is. And so I guess Igalo and Dini maybe don't, don't get it because of the, the kind of dry period they had. But Gomez hasn't had a dry period. He made a couple of mistakes. I think there's one against Leicester and then one more recently. But he's got so much credit in the bank. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant. It, show, it shows the nonsense that other football supporters talk as well. You see it, still see it. Oh, Gomez has got a mistake in him, hasn't he? And it's like, well, you haven't seen him at all this season. He's been strong for Watford this year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's about time that we looked at, in, at the number one position and, and felt confident in the, in the goalkeeper. And, and we're there now. It's great. Hiralio's been superb. Two. Sound of the rookery singing la 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 la. Kike thanks for us. I don't think we can sit here and do proper justice, Mike, of actually what he achieved. And I know that people are still going to be hung up on what happened over these last few games and are blaming him. But he did what was needed, and no one can take that away from him. Yeah, I think it's important to say the last. That he is in charge. He is the head coach, um, and the player, the, the team goes out in his mould, if you like. And there will be a lot of people who quite rightly ask why certain players weren't in, why it wasn't mixed up. Certainly after we were, we were safe, to, to perhaps give the, the supporters something to, to cheer about. But more importantly, because what was happening wasn't really working to, to a large degree. Um, now he obviously has his reasons for that, and we're we're not privy to that. But I think I totally understand the disappointment that some of the recent team selections have been met with. Um, the way the Norwich game was dismissed, I think, was unacceptable. It was uh, just to say it was one of those games at the end of the season. I understand it happens, but well, why let it happen to us? If you know it's going to happen, it's like if you're at work on a Friday, you don't let anyone get away with any nonsense just because it's a Friday. It's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but that said, he was brought in to do an incredibly difficult job, to 
to pick to keep a championship side in the Premier League, to knit together another new batch of players, to fix what we all recognised was a very leaky defence. It's something that we've struggled with year in, year out. So he was brought in with a clear remit and we're sat here celebrating a 13th place finish. We can say nothing other than he delivered it and delivered it with style because we were safe. As it turned out, I think it was the Bournemouth game that probably probably got us over the line, which was what? Back in 2005, was that, <laughs> it? So About like that, anyway. You know, so let's not let's not take away from that when we before the um, when when we talked about Kike potentially using his job we asked people how they how they rated him in in terms of the the, the top 20 of managers in the premier league and they said well look it's probably safe to just say he should be he's probably end up 13th uh, but do not underestimate how difficult it is to keep a t- team in the premier league we've seen aston villa get relegated we've seen newcastle get relegated who have had with with all the money sunderland have all, almost got relegated and there's been people in a fight a lot lot closer than a lot lot longer than we have and for that he deserves not endless praise but he deserves huge credit and he deserves the send off he got today really i'm just glad he was there i enjoyed the season despite everything uh, he was the perfect choice well, it, it, before he leaves us, uh, we felt it only right that Florence try and write him a, a farewell letter and hopefully she sums up exactly how we all felt about Kike this season. Hi Kike, I know that you are leaving Watford, so I wanted to say thank you and good luck. I know that you had a very difficult job to do this year and that because Watford is still in the Premier League you succeeded. Daddy came home very happy from the games with Liverpool and Arsenal but to be honest he's still a bit grumpy about Wembley. All in all we've really enjoyed the season and we are proud of what you and the team have done. Mummy always says, don't be sad it's over, be happy it happened. We're happy that you happened. Bye bye Kike, thank you and good luck. And... Lyon's 13th minute goal in the first game of the season at Goodison Park. Crazy moments for those who were there, but crazy moments for anybody watching on a legal stream somewhere, Geordie. Yeah, I think I think there's 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 first you want to get sorted out, don't you? And you look at how Leicester started the season and how it finished for them. You know, you don't you don't want to set bad habits. And obviously, when you're when you've got a lot so many new players, a new manager in a new division, there's always that. And obviously the precedence of us being in the Premier League the last two times, you do, you, there was a little bit of like, you know, oh, is this going to be a real struggle? Is, are we going to be, are we just going to be hoping to keep our heads above the water? And then we went ahead in the game, <laughs> you know, uh, and we scored two. And, we, and the interesting thing is it was a great game, but the tactics that we employed in those games kind of were left by the wayside uh, as the season progressed. But, it, but to, to get off the mark uh, and for him as well, because I think he'd come with this big fanfare, uh, all these fans he had on uh, social media. He, m- he must be this great player. And in the in the championship, I think people were a bit like, well, he, he can see he's all right, but maybe he's that good. 
and then obviously he scored and it was uh, fantastic and it's a shame we didn't, we didn't win the game but was that explosion that explosion of colour isn't it it's, it's August the, the, the pitch is perfect mm. Watford are there resplendent in the, in the new kit Everton there in their, in their famous blue and it's like right here we go it's happening we spent all summer talking about it we've got all these players in that we thought were going to be great over to you boys and just to see that goal fly in and it was sort of it was very emphatic wasn't it and the reason it's set at number one, I think it did set the tone. It was like us sort of kicking the door in on the Premier League and saying, all right, where's the party at? Because, you know, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, we more than we more than gave, you gave better than we got in that, that game. And probably unlucky not to win it, we possibly should have done. But it was just, yeah, it was just a real, real release, a real sort of just, oh, yes, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. Um, and our sort of our boys in yellow were up and running, weren't they? It was a, a magical moment. It was a long time ago now, but I can remember it really vividly, really vividly. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. The future. Well, there's another season in the Premier League, Jason. Uh, and we look like we've got a new manager coming. Now, before we, we don't anything about him, really, sort of. You can talk to some people about it and they laugh in your face. But the, the man who seems to be uh, the favourite is Walter Mazzari. If, if you put the job description together for this, Jason, um, what are the things that you would want him to be able to do compared to this season, especially? Oh, well, you've given me all the good questions today, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> I, I, I put my philosopher's hat on, and I think, oh, for, for, these, for these questions, even if just to keep my head warm. <laughs> well, obviously, he's been given the job because the Potsos want him to take Watford on. We're not now going to be a, a defensive team, a team sort of trying to hold their position in the Premier League. We're going to be looking to push on. Given that we finished 13th, you've got to think that's going to be mid-table, maybe trying to get a sniff at Europe. We need a man who's got experience of top-end elite European football, which he has. Having said that, I think our last manager did. Let's not forget he was running the Europa League while this podcast was still in nappies. Um, and you can imagine there's going to be a lot of player changes. We've been trying to think about this beforehand, about who's going to be going, who's going to be staying. I'd imagine there's going to be not mass upheaval, but a lot of changes, a lot of new players in. So it's important, again, like previous managers, that he is able to take a, a group of almost random players players that won't be known to each other um, get them together and to form a, a winning team early on that can hit the ground running quite a job so who is this man um, our friend Lionel Burney is out in the uh, in Italy following uh, the Giro d'Italia for his normal job which is a cycling journalist uh, and he got in touch with a guy called Ciro Scolimilio who works at Gazette della Sport uh, a Napoli fan who has seen uh, Walter, which I like calling him Walter, and we, we we asked Lionel to find out a little bit more about this fella who looks like being the next Watford manager. Thanks very much, John. I'm in Umbria in Italy, missing the end of the football season, covering uh, the Giro d'Italia, which is uh, basically the Italian version of the Tour de France. And I'm with Ciro Scognamilio, who is a regular on our cycling podcast. He's also a sports writer for Gazzetta dello Sport and, more crucially, a Napoli fan. Now, Ciro, the news is rumbling that Watford, my team, is about to appoint a new coach who you will be very familiar with. First of all, for our listeners back in England, can you give us the authentic Italian pronunciation of his name? For sure, it's Walter Mazzari. Walter Mazzari. Okay. I can't roll my R's quite like you, Chiro, but, you know, 
bad, not bad, Lionel, not bad. Thank you very much. So, tell me all about him. What what do I need to know, first of all? Well, about Tatic, for example, here in Naples, his system was quite clear. I mean, he played with three defenders, five players in the middle of the pitch and two attackers, exactly. This was clear and normally it doesn't change a lot. So it's quite this kind of method. Other two things are important, in my opinion. One, normally with Malter Mazzari, the attackers, they normally do good seasons. For example, in Italy with Naples, he had Cavani, and Cavani scores more or less 30 goals in the same season. But also before, when he was in another team of the South, Regina, he had Rolando Bianchi, and also with him, Rolando Bianchi uh, had his best season. And the other thing is that he's really good to, to motivate his players. Maybe more than tactically, he's really a great motivator of men. And he was at Napoli for uh, about four years, from 2009 to 2013. Were they successful at that time? Well, n- well, not bad. We have to remember, for example, that uh, he won, for example, the Italy Cup with with Naples against Juventus. For for Naples uh, to beat Juventus is maybe the most important thing in the world. And in an edition of Champions League, I remember well that uh, in the same year in which Chelsea won the Champions League in the the first match in the final, not in the groups, but in the in the in the knockout. In the knockout, exactly. Naples beat Chelsea in Naples three to one, and so they Naples was very close to eliminate Chelsea, but at the end, Naples lost in London in Stamford Bridge, if I'm not wrong, four to one, but after extra time. So uh, Naples was really near to eliminate Chelsea in the same year in which Chelsea, with the Di Matteo, won the Champions League. So he's a, he's a coach who has a, a, a system that he prefers of three five two. But is his philosophy attacking, or is he like an Italian coach? more defensive more, more defensive definitely yes I, I would like to say that it's more or less defensive and he tried to all together as much as the different lines and then uh, really be fast to try to score so contain hold and break quickly yes exactly and lastly in terms of his relationship with uh, the media for example when he was Napoli coach or, or with the with the fans is he someone who has a good relationship with the media is, is he difficult to talk with or is he is he very outgoing in my opinion he's not really sympathetic in the sense that he's not really interested to have a really good relationship with media and he tries he tries to have a good relationship with the fan with the results not with the communication. It's not a man of communication, in my opinion. It's a man of work. But he's a man who could perhaps deliver results. It will be interesting to see how he approaches England if he does take the Watford job. I gather he's been in Watford in, the, in this week to, to talk about taking over. Yes, I knew that he spent some time also in Great Britain to learn English. So, in my opinion, also from Italy, certainly we have now in this year an Italian trainer that won the Premier League, Ranieri, and so for, for us, it will be very curious to see how Mazzari will develop his skill also in Premier League. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, Orns! So he is our man. Is it going to be a great season, Mike? 
I hope so. I'm ready for the break. I'm looking forward to the summer. I'm looking forward to all the speculation that the that the silly season brings. It's now it's time to to you know part well take time to reflect on it and enjoy the season. Then because uh, there've been some some great moments as we as we've highlighted in the top ten there. I hope everyone's enjoyed it because you should have done. This is Watford punching technically above their weight for, for in the in the in the history of things. We've seen something pretty special this season. But I think we're all hopeful that we, we can continue to see that. And, yeah, I'm just excited for it. A bit of trepidation. We've gambled, we've gambled again. We've rolled the dice. We're, we're into the great unknown in terms of the coach. Some, a lot of clubs argue that the better devil, the, better the devil you know. Um, so we've decided that's not us. We, we're going to be forward thinking. We're going to be brave. And I think we need to, to, be, we need to back them as supporters. We need to hope that they make the right decision. There's no reason, that we, that, no reason to think that they haven't. So just enjoy it, recharge our batteries, get ready to go again. If we think, but I would say, I mean, and Jace is right to say he was talking with it, with his sort of um, managerial hat on. I think, looking forward to be, uh, looking to be mid-table and, and, and perhaps a sniff of Europe. If we finish 13th, 14th again next season, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. But surely we can't do 13th again, 14th, but be the same though. We need to consolidate. I mean, we need to we need to be in and around this division. For what needs what needs to be different though? Nothing. Nothing needs to be different. We need. Then we won't go anywhere. Well, no, we're not next year or perhaps the year after that. But in ten years, fifteen years, we. I took a group of kids with us today who are who are four and five and six. They absolutely loved it. They they're enchanted by this Watford side. They love seeing the big crowds. They love seeing the the big atmosphere. But the important thing is to make sure that when those kids are our age that we're still here in the Premier League. So ultimately, in the world of football, next year really doesn't matter because the aim for this football club is to get a strong foothold in this Premier League and jolly well stay there for a long time. So if it's two, three, four, five, ten years until we're challenging for Europe, I really want to be getting to Europe, by the way, because I'm desperate to get away with Watford. <laughs> um, but if it takes a bit of time, then so be it. You know, it's, it's just about... Because even if we stay, if we stay still... That's, that's all right, because 13th is fine. That means there's seven other teams worse than us in the Premier League. And if we, some players have come through, we've got young players coming through. We talked about Penyaranda, who's coming across. He's a kid, so in two years' time, he might be a better player. You know, there's a long way to go in this Watford story. We're right in the midst of it, but we're right at the first chapter. So just, just enjoy it. Let's see how it unfolds. I, I, I've got to see something. No, I'm not saying like 12th, 10th, 8th. But I'm just saying that that number doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. It's what happens that matters. Another season of Premier League football, and that is what we should we should never lose sight of the fact. No, no, no. no. What what needs to be better, Jordy? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right to argue about back and forth as you were. I think what Mike's saying is the final league position doesn't matter, and and as fans, the season starts and stops. But actually, behind the scenes, football, the club is continuous. It's the only thing that is permanent. Everyone else moves on. And so this season, we've come, we've come up with players who are of a certain age and consolidate and, and, and stayed up and showed we belong. But those players aren't going to be with us in five years' time. And what we need to do next season is start sowing the seeds that is going to, that is going to have the players. So bring in younger players, adapt our style um, to, be, to be not the team who is happy to be there. On the, on the terraces and not to be the team that everyone thinks they should be getting three points against to be a team that belongs and, and, and not be one of these teams like an Aston Villa or these, these teams that, that are up for a certain, a certain amount of time and then, and then eventually the bubble burst because they, they stopped innovating and just started just, just being 
trying to just thought because I was there last year, I'll be there next year. That's the word you just used there. The word is innovate. Innovate might seem like we have to jump from 13th to 4th. But it's, it's there's some there's still I need I need to see some sort of innovation next year. It's important to me, Jason. Well, perhaps that's what we where I was talking about earlier about uh, playing different tactics and making use of this bright young talent that is Penuranda. So so maybe that's where our innovation comes in. Innovation sometimes can be a bad thing, like playing your central midfielders out wide. <laughs> so it's got to be innovation that works in the right way. If it doesn't work, we need to change it quickly and. Again, QSF did that earlier on in the season, couldn't do it later in the season. So if he's going to innovate, it's got to work. Like you say, if it means we finish 13th, 14th again, so be it. It's been another season, a sixth one from the Rookie End. Thank you for your time, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Geordie. Thank you. And thank you, Mike. Well, what an absolute pleasure it's been, hasn't it? It's been, I feel, really, really proud to be a Watford supporter again this season. It's been another extraordinary couple of steps on the road hasn't it it's uh, and again we've met loads of people who listen to the podcast so thank you to everyone who's who's listened thanks to everyone who's stopped us in the street to say your podcast rubbish some of some of you actually said it's really good <laughs> so so thanks to you as well um but it's just since we started it's just been an absolute joy following Watford through the through the thick and the thin it's like the the, the, micro, the, um, the podcast lifespan is almost like a microcosm of, of Watford's history we've had the some really pretty thin times that could have been a lot thinner and now we're in the midst of, of of some real real glorious time so we've got the summer off I think we've earned it I think the players have earned it get ready to go again because uh, this is great stuff see you in pre-season training in July boys <laughs>